Welcome to Eat This Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore. We get together about twice a week and we record these little ditties for you guys. We chew on God's word. We talk about um, biblical principles and how we apply that to our lives and hopefully encourage and edify you guys at home. So this week we've got Gerald Carper with us. Hello, Gerald. Hey, Chris. You're back. By popular I demand. work here. <laughs> I walk over and I go sit down and I you do flew, this. You flew in for this one, this special. Flew in from Toronto. What a treat. Yep. It's a privilege <laughs> sitting here with you. It's co-authoring a book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> On tour. Um, so we've been working through First Peter. Mm-hmm. Where are we at now? Not to be confused with First Paul. Correct. Yes. That's the last time I'll joke about that. <laughs> Yeah, so last week we we covered uh, the intro. Uh, we're working through these themes of dual citizenship, of joy in the midst of suffering, and then of all of that leading us to hope in the crucified King of Jesus Christ. Great. So yeah, we're jumping into the body of the letter, um, and we're going to highlight one thing here. There'd be a, a couple of different directions we could go, but we're just gonna we're gonna keep it zeroed in on the center of the chiasm which is like an x <laughs> i've heard i've heard chiasm but yeah know, potato potato that's chiasm <laughs> well it could go either way <laughs> i've heard it both too but you end up saying it one way and then my daughter plays minecraft and she says dad i fell in the crevasse <laughs> and i know that i've succeeded at educating her <laughs> oh i see <laughs> i I think I've taught my son some some of that kind of stuff. <laughs> so anyways, um, born again to a living hope is the beginning of my ESV title um, of this section, which the original letter did not have a title, but that's what we have today. Um, and basically he uh, goes off on this kind of monologue or like a non- um, punctuated run on sentence. <laughs> and this isn't Paul, right? This is not Paul. Okay, this is here. Like <laughs> it just kind of a thing. And um, the Greek language can do a little bit more than the English can, but we kind of read it as a run on, except we put punctuation in there. But um, he starts by saying, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Ooh. We did it. Is that it? Yeah, that's all. <laughs> I'm sure you tracked all that. And so he starts with kind of a, a doxological prayer. This would have been in form for literary styles of the time um, going on and on with these big words about salvation. He's using language that, invites um, these non-Jewish people into the um, salvation narrative that God has been working uh, to restore um, all people in Christ. Um, and it just sounds like great news. And so I think my first observation from the way that Peter starts is that he, before he starts talking about ethics, before he starts talking about the church, um, even how you rejoice in suffering, he is grounding the identity of his audience in the good news of Christ and God's redemption in the world. And it can be easy to forget to skip that step um, when we're suffering, but even when we think about um, ethics and cultural engagement, we want to get right to the juicy morsels and the tensions and the hot topics. And 
we need to, as Christians, always um, keep ourselves grounded in the gospel and work from a place of a robust understanding of what it means to be saved, um, especially in a pluralistic context where it can be easy to, um, I don't know, <laughs> kind of like squish out or um, round out some of the edges, either good news or difficult news of of the gospel. And so I think that's a, that's a cool cool starting point. You start to get excited and I think it'd be an encouraging beginning for an audience that's kind of having a rough go. Yeah, absolutely. When, when I see anything, any kind of movement, any kind of, you know, evangelical little sect of people or something happening, you know, the first gate it has to pass through is where's the gospel in all of this? So that's like the easiest thing to either get yourself on track or off track is when you can ask the question of where is this rooted? Is this rooted in the gospel, um, honestly, and with integrity to scripture? Or have we maneuvered some things around and like some things are more important in the gospel is like a side stage kind of character that's just there to make it add a little flair? Yeah. Little uh little halftime flair. Yeah. <laughs> Sprinkle a little uh, gospel on oh, your pie. No. For the, uh, the mid-game, what's the football, the sports ball thing in the middle just of the- Just called halftime, Chris. Halftime show. Yeah. yeah, we've got the gospel. For those <laughs> listeners, we joke around the office because Chris doesn't really like sports or care, and so he calls every sport sports ball yep. and pretends like he doesn't know anything about them. Yep. I just cheer. Yeah, sports uh, ball. <laughs> I'll keep my books right. in my heart. <laughs> so you. that brings us to um, verse six. Then he says, in this you rejoice. Like, okay, great. So this is the first time he talks about joy or the word rejoice. Um, that is going to appear throughout uh, the book, even another time in this text. Okay. And the one we're doing today. Mm-hmm. So we're rejoicing in all this. And then he says, though, okay, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And like, yeah, people are trying to kill us. <laughs> like we, <laughs> we are being persecuted and we are being marginalized and it is not going well for us. And it, um, you know, it feels just like, oh, you've been grieved by various trials. Okay. And then, so there's this like moment <laughs> where he recognizes that, okay, there's, there's a lot of good news happening and it causes you to rejoice but I know that you're being grieved by trials and that's kind of like the centerpiece. And then he goes back to a lot of good, happy things. And he said, there's a purpose to this, that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, even though um, that perishes, though it is tested by fire. So like your faith is tested by fire as is gold, gold perishes, but your faith doesn't. It may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. <laughs> so I was like, wow, that <laughs> yeah, was a mouthful, a Peter. <laughs> you have had way too much time in jail to think about this. <laughs> and um, you're running out of ink already. So th- there's just so much to unpack there soteriologically, but I, I just wanted to comment on that flow of, okay, you have this huge chunk of happy, great rejoicing news, this little thing in the middle. It's like, I know you're suffering. Um, you are being, uh, you know, your faith is being tested through the fire and that faith is going to result in praise. And then he goes on and on and on. And he says, you rejoice with joy that is inexplicable 
inexpressible. And maybe that's the NIV. I have it memorized in. And then, um, and filled with glory. Okay. So, um, I want, want to talk about the tension between rejoicing, um, in the midst of suffering. And, um, I don't know, Chris, what do you think? <laughs> when you read the Bible and you come across a verse and you're like, all right, there's suffering happening. We're still called to joy. There's this, um, James has counted all joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of various kinds. Then, then there's the Romans five, um, that, you know, the trials are producing in you endurance and all that, that leads to hope. Um, these are the three kind of like key verses that I would go to if I was going to engage a conversation around the tension between rejoicing in the midst of trials. So I don't know. I'm just curious for like your initial thoughts when you think about that. Yeah. I, I think that there's always scenarios that I don't ever want to be in. Um, you know, death is, I think the obvious one sickness leading to death is another one, you know, situations where, or just, you know, uh, somebody in a car accident and having, serious, long, lifelong ramifications from that. And you go, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, and, and of course there's people being persecuted in other countries. It's horrible. Um, instinctively, my mind in my time, when I'm considering these things goes to, um, the fact that the only thing that makes sense for me and gives any purpose to any of this pain is God's sovereignty and his character. Um, with, without me being able to rest in that, it would be purposeless, pointless, chaotic pain and suffering. And then I'd really be in a spot where I'd have to say, what is the point of all of this? But because I know he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes, I can find some comfort in the trials I experienced, though admittedly far less than bajillions of people around the world through history. Um, knowing that whatever happens, you know, I, I have things in my life I wish hadn't happened, but I can, I can find comfort knowing, Hey, God didn't, isn't going to waste this. And maybe I'll see the benefit or maybe I won't, but I know that he's at work and that is enough for me. So that's my (laughs) response. (laughs) C is for cookie. That's good enough for me. (laughs) That's the cookie monster chant. Um, the the wrong thing to say after you Uh, yeah, I, I think if you've grown up in the church, Bible studies, yada, yada, read your Bible. Like we've, we're, we've talked about this. Um, and so I wrote down three things, three, three ways we can get this wrong. Yeah. Let's go. And they kind of like have a, they kind of rhyme. Ooh. You get two words that rhyme. You're like, like there's like a pastoral contract of like, there, yeah, I will one day stand before (laughs) Jesus and give account for like, the ways I didn't alliterate when I could have <laughs> <It'd> be stripped. <laughs> and I would not be an evangelical pastor if I didn't. So okay, um, what are the they? first is to, to trivialize your pain and suffering or like a verse like this. And it's the people where like they didn't get like the parking spot closest to the Costco entrance. And it's like demons trying to ruin their day. That's it. That's <laughs> like, it. Get and, me behind me, Satan. You won't get me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's where you do not realize the context that Peter's writing into, and you are trying to turn little bad pieces of your day into suffering. <laughs> um, and even to an extent, I mean, you know, like, I, 
Yeah, and we'll get to Don't dealing get us in with trouble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like, like even you know, even something that feels bigger than a parking spot. Mm-hmm. Um, what Peter is talking about here is is big suffering and yeah. big disorient disorientation disequilibrium. Now that said, a lot of people are going through. You mentioned some of those things like death and you know, um, like loss of relationship and um, a lot of this. Um, a lot of stuff we go through in life does, I think, qualify us <laughs> to count it as suffering. Mm-hmm. So we don't entirely disconnect from this. But for the people that are just like, yeah, every little mishap is the devil trying to take me down. You're like, oh, okay, like yeah. <laughs> you're not, you know, don't trivialize suffering and um, all that. So that's just the first. I I don't know how many of us feel like we struggle with that. I I think most Christians I know that I would say are faithful Jesus followers recognize that gap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Between a parking spot and be, being persecuted and living in fear in that way. Well, yeah. and when everything is persecution, nothing is persecution. <laughs> yeah. and, Careful, Chris. You're going to start <laughs> um, dividing the flock. No, but you're right. When you you trivialize real genuine persecution, when you when you want to get the and these are broad strokes, everybody. But when you want to get maybe the catharsis or recognition or satisfaction of being counted as, yes, I'm undergoing persecution or I'm in this, and it's like, okay, well, let's compare it to like what we know to be true persecution. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's different, I mean, I try to pay attention to, you know, um, psychological thought and like social, what's going on in our world And I do have theories on like, there's a new set of trials that I think we face in a digital age um, that can bring about a lot of mental (laughs) unrest Yeah, in ways where I think trials were more physical and external. There's like, we end up um, being our own worst enemies in our heads sometimes, but that's a whole other conversation. So that's trivialize it. The second one is minimize it. Ooh, that feels good. <laughs> yeah, trivi- don't trivialize, don't minimize. <laughs> you I spent calling. some time in Chicago. I know how to preach. Um, and uh, this is kind of like God's got a purpose in everything. And we, we skip the suffering and jump right to the joy. <laughs> and like we don't let suffering have its role to actually, you know, test us in the fire. It's like the gold that jumps out of the fire too soon and yeah. doesn't allow the fire to actually refine it because suffering is going to put us up against, it's going to reveal so much about what we love and what we value, how we see the world. And this is part of how suffering um, purifies us is it starts to confront some of the, the idols that we have or the, the things we look to for security or comfort or value outside of Christ when you start to lose those, it starts to disrupt you, but you can find some quick solutions and we love to jump and, um, you know, to the verse of like, God works all things to good. And it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, okay. I've been in situations where I've heard someone say that to another believer that was in suffering. I was like, that was just not the pastoral moment. (laughs) Like, yeah, there are things you don't say at a funeral. Yeah. So let's, let's not minimize we're not trivializing, but we're also not minimizing the pain and suffering. And, and I look to Jesus in this, um, Jesus wasn't kind of a, a stoic <laughs> Ted Lasso, <laughs> Hey, sports ball reference for hey, you. There we go. Of just like, man, nothing like you're never down. And we have pictures of him, you know, with people. And I think the garden of Gethsemane is like this really clear picture of Jesus 
um, allowing the pain and suffering to have its work um, where he can legitimately get to the point that he says, not my will, but yours. But he clearly has a will mm-hmm. <laughs> in that moment. That is, um, I would rather not go through with this. <laughs> this doesn't sound um, like and there's way. physical manifestations written about that. Um, and so if we have a savior that can recognize the presence of pain, um, and this is some of the, you know, I, I don't want to always have like some soap boxes, but I mean, I, I got the chance to preach through a lament Psalm earlier last year or yeah. whatever. And, um, I just enjoyed introducing some categories of, of worship and lament and the Bible is robust in its understanding of walking through the pain. And so we have the temptation to want to get back to equilibrium as fast as possible. And, um, there's this weird tension of suffering and joy. And I think, um, you, you have to hold some of those intentions and, and intention. And and I'm not exactly sure if there's a one size fits all posture for this. If like, obviously if you, you know, if your spouse is in a car accident or something and you like, I mean, come on, like (laughs) you're going to have to work through the stages of grief. Um, (laughs) there it's not just a, Hey, God's got a purpose. So get back and and make it happen. You're like, no, there's a humanity and there's, we know how the world ought to be and we know it's not. And lamenting that is important. So, yeah, it's part of being human is experiencing grief. And I think it, you're right. I mean, you meet those people who are, um, as a, you know, over generalization, they're just positive to a fault, and you think I don't know how to relate to you. Like <laughs> I'm in the thick of it. Yeah, right like now. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like I can't connect on any level because I feel like I'm experiencing emotional internal bleeding. Yeah, and you, you know, smile twenty four seven, and um, you know, we're all human and we experience and deal with these things differently. But I think there's an immense value in stopping and going. No, I got to work through this. Yeah, and I've heard sermons where it's like joy isn't happiness and i feel like we can parse (laughs) words all day (laughs) like make up a definition of joy make up a definition of happiness show how they're not the same but uh you know to to like this is a verse that i mean it got me for so long of we believe in jesus and we rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory like I went through years of my Christian life feeling like that is not my natural posture <laughs> towards Jesus. Yeah. And like, what is wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Um, and seasons of dark, um, I don't know, something was going on with me where I was in the dumps and I, I've referenced it every now and then. I don't want to be this people that like brag about their depression that they used to be in. <laughs> and like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not at all. Um, Cause it is bad, but um, yeah, I've been in, you wear places that. where where the mistake number C number C <gasps> point three okay. is paralyzed by it. <sighs> so we're not trivializing it, we're not minimizing it, but we're also not being paralyzed by it. And that's um you know, there can be a comfort to having that I don't know, hum- humble brag or like the mm-hmm. suffering brag of like I'm one upping everyone with how bad my life is. I mean, you've met those people and that there is in the same way that Paul recognizing the suffering is an invitation to not minimize it, him referencing the joy is an invitation to not be paralyzed by it. Um, that that part of the good news of the redemption of all things in Christ that manifests itself in the present is 
healing through pain um, and not, not a therapeutic gospel, but um, a holistic look at the good news that, that Jesus can step into those spaces and has, and the good news has something to say about that. And um, so yeah, you just get weighed down and this is where, you know, you want to be careful. And this is where I think pastoral care and counseling is such a important thing. And there's a lot of people looking for counselors and that's a whole other conversation. But um, yeah, that is just something to think about when we, when we look at Peter, that he is recognizing the presence of both suffering and joy at the same time. So if we look to Jesus, if we look to the biblical authors, we can, you know, we're evangelicals. We love the both ends. <laughs> sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes we talked about this. Yeah. Jesus is fully God, but also fully human. You're like, yeah. okay. So Tr- truly, can God you fully, man. yeah. Can you fully be in suffering and fully rejoice at the same time? Like, can those emotions live um, simultaneously within you? And if you're faithful, can you work? toward joy and healing and hope in the context of Christian community. And Paul doesn't shy away from hope. He doesn't minimize the suffering of Christ. He looks to Christ as an example of how to deal with that. And um, yeah. What did I say? Paul again? You did say Paul again. Um, Chris I'm, is over there mouthing something to me. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> uh, stop, stop it. Heresy. You're saying heresy. No, um, to your, your final C, your final, no, paralyze your final point. Um, I came to a realization when I was in counseling that I, I had to identify that there was something comforting and cathartic about the pain. And I had to determine that I was willing to get rid of that to experience healing in my life as a result of it. For, I don't know, weeks, maybe months, not being anxious the way that I was and depressed felt very strange, mm-hmm. uh, uncomfortable. And there was, there is sometimes, I think for some people, a real comfort in a risk of losing something that's been a longtime companion. You're like, I don't know. I kind of like this pain stuff and being in this dark, blah, you know. And that was my experience. Um, but I think it's worth noting that, that that could be a part of what is paralyzing yeah. is you're like, I don't actually know if I want to get rid of this stuff. Yeah. And man, I spent a lot of years of ministry close proximity to high school students and the culture that surrounds it. And there's definitely, um, man. (laughs) Yeah. There's definitely, if you're a Gen Z high schooler right now, there'd be a push to kind of have an ailment that you can wear on your sleeve. Yep. Um, and I, I, I say that only in love because I, I love these kids, Mm -hmm. um, these students. So, and, and you could look at generations and it's just so stereotypical, but you know, I would imagine that there's a lot of the older generation that has minimized it mm-hmm. and hasn't spent the time to like dig through and like allow the fire to refine you, mm-hmm. but has just stuffed it away. <laughs> and then there's the younger generation that has been paralyzed by it and hasn't found a way to move to joy. Um, and this again, I just, you know, keep coming back to the fact that the Christian faith is not meant to be lived alone. And part of the joy of community is having other people to both comfort you and call you out in the midst of your pain and and rejoicing. Mm -hmm. And so all that to say, uh, Peter, (laughs) Peter gives us a, um, a heavy dose of run on sentence. He is (laughs) strong with joy about salvation. He recognizes their hope. He ends with joy and salvation and somehow 
he's inviting these exiled Christians in Asia Minor to continue to rejoice in the good news of Christ, even though they experience real and valid suffering um, and to figure out how to be faithful through that. And he points them to Christ later on, which we'll, we'll get to that. Get to that next time. That That's all I got for you, Chris. Cool. Well, uh, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. I appreciate you sharing. I felt like there's a lot of really good stuff in there. And we're yeah, now everyone's all like sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be sad, mm, but don't be and sad. And be glad. But yeah. No. Tension. <laughs> so trivi- don't trivialize, don't minimize, don't be paralyzed. Boom. That'll I don't reach. have a fourth like positive eyes. We'll think of one. We will. We'll <laughs> get tuned. back to you, listener. <laughs> All right, Jarrell, thank you so much for coming on. Yep. I appreciate it. And we will get you guys next time. Later on, rock stars. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week. So please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples. 